back. Welcome to Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Saurus, broadcasting as I've been for four years from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City for the first time in 2020, my pal Odell. <laughs> What's going on, man? <laughs> We're alive. Corona hasn't yes, got yes. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, man. I pulled up this thing that canceled events because of Corona. And, of yeah. course, South by Southwest is canceled. Coachella. Um, the View is not going to have an audience. Jeopardy is not going to have an audience. The playoffs, the basketball playoffs are saying are now not going to have an audience. Yep. Dozens of St. Patrick Day parades across the world are not happening now, are canceled. Now, now here's the irony. Are you ready for the irony? What's that? The same assholes today screaming how coronavirus is fake news and it's not actually happening are the right. same cats that were flipping the fuck out in 2014 because there was one, well, there was actually three cases of Ebola in this country. One guy caught it and died and his two nurses mishandled his waist. They caught it and recovered. There was one, three cases, all related, one death, and Jamie Ernst, a sitting senator, was going around saying the CDC is lying. There's thousands of cases. I knew people who said <laughs> Obama was weaponizing Ebola to kill us all. And now these same guys are like, ha, ah, snowflake, afraid of a little coronavirus, huh? Oh, yeah. I think it's different between now and back when Obama was president. I wonder why they're just not freaked out. Hmm. Like hmm. Who could it be? <laughs> I guess Trump's such a great negotiator. They think he's going to negotiate coronavirus away. Oh yeah, yeah. You know the, the the CDC and the and the what was it, the 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 World Health Organization were he was saying was praising him of his uh, intellect on on all of these matters the other day. I'm like okay. And I like, just started right. a pandemic. Meanwhile, about a year yeah. ago, Trump disbanded Obama's whole CDC response team. So oh yeah. There, nobody can get kits. There's only been 500 tests so far. There's like 50,000 tests in China. They're doing like 5,000 tests a day in China. We've done 500 total. It is going to yeah. hit here, and it's going to hit here bad. Meanwhile, yeah. Trump's using it as a PR moment and saying that Democrats are trying to use this to tank the economy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Them. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, Fox News, they're all uh, drumming that up. I was listening. Uh, I, I heard excerpts, uh, I think, yeah, last night, actually. Talking about, oh, this is just the Democrats, you know, trying to smear our president with these with these uh, these news stories and, and 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 things of that nature. And I'm like, are you serious? People are dying. Now, a lot it's of people like, are saying this is where people start getting off the Trump train. If this if this pandemic gets bad in America, we start seeing a huge death toll and the economy starts tanking. His supporters mm -hmm. will finally jump ship. I don't believe it. Do you believe that? it? Take, it, it takes a, it, so. So you're telling me it, it takes a, a serious pandemic disease for you to realize that this president is a is is is, is a piece of crap. <laughs> Well, so, now that we've gotten rid of all the riffraff before Dave Dichter from MDC comes on here, whose album's called Mind Trump, and it's an anti-Trump album, now that we got rid of all the riffraff, anybody who was listening has turned it off, and they're like, oh, boy, yeah. God, I'm burning all my musical osmosis stuff. Uh, we're we done. Stuff, dude. And I'm going to print it and then burn it. Now that we got rid of those assholes, 
we can move on to music. Um, yes. yes. The other day, dude, when I was putting the format together, we've released an episode. We were recently in New York performing in Katie McHale's The Circle of the Eyes. By the yes. way, E, you coming from a theater background, you were fabulous. Well, thank you. I stunk up the stage. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> you weren't that bad. <laughs> No, I didn't know blocking. I didn't know anything. But the last night, which was the most important night, because that's the night they filmed for the competition for the film festival at Winterfest. Um, mm-hmm. Kate was so happy. It was our best performance. And I walked up. I said, I was solidly adequate. I didn't miss anything. <laughs> I was totally – I was the weakest link there, dude. And I'm not used to being the weakest link. But let me tell you, I don't belong on a, a theatrical stage for sure. Well, not everybody gets to, I mean, you got to take it, you got to look at it, you know, glass half full too. How many people get to perform on stage in New York? You but know? I, right. <laughs> into this, right? There's probably cats who've been waiting tables for three years in New York just to try oh, to yeah. play. And I just talked to Katie. I was like, oh, you need some extra people? Let me throw my hat in the ring. And did a Skype um, audition and got in and just drove up to New York and was in this. And I was like, dude, I forced my way into so many fucking Yeah, we did a live cast interview and we put that up a couple weeks ago. Go check out musicalosmosis.com. I'm going to put up a new review probably this weekend. We put up new reviews. I yeah, did a live yeah. interview with Emily Fremgen. Um, and we put up new pictures from the trip. And but what I noticed is when I put all that up and when I was working on the format, here we are in mid-March. This is your first show of the decade. You haven't been on this show since last decade. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. Goodness gracious, that is true. That is true. Um, it, it, and like you said, this this uh, this year is uh, is already what we're three and a half months in. Yeah, <laughs> it's flying you by. Man. Showed up a quarter of a time. Where have you been, Odell? You've been moving. <laughs> How's the move going? Tell us what you've been up to. Oh my gosh. Well, the move is going. We're we're still in our uh, we're still in our old house, but um, but the move's going. The, you know, everything is being fixed and everything in our new house. So hopefully by the first week of April, we should be starting to make the move to the new house. And then I got to you know we got to get back here and straighten this house up so we can rent it out and um. It's just it's that time of year, man. Now you know the kids are like Linus starts baseball here soon, and the girls are doing dance and 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 music and stuff. Actually, Linus is doing music now too. So um, this is a busy time. This is a really busy time. So how does it feel to be back on air after three months? Oh, it feels great. It feels great. I, I always enjoy doing this, and uh, it's amazing that it like when you said that, I'm like, holy cow, it's already March. It's like like we haven't been on since. Oh, know, no, the end no, of December. No, wait. We did the hundredth episode with Kevin Seconds. Wasn't that in January? Yeah, that was in January. Yeah, that was in January. <laughs> so this isn't your first show. Disregard. I I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's right. I'm me too. We're 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 getting on. My head is spinning. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it now. That was January 18th. We posted that. So that was That's a couple right. of days before that. Okay. Yeah. So you've been on. All right. So disregard everything I just said. But how's it feel <laughs> to be back after two months? Great. It feels good. Looking forward to a lot of new artists, uh, old older artists coming back on. It's Ooh, a great time for music. I mean, stuff you, coming up too, man. Yeah, and it's like amazing. Like, and, and that's the one thing that I'm like, you know, with this whole coronavirus thing going on, it's like there's so many artists that are performing. I don't know if it's just because it's 2020 
I don't, you know, I don't know if it's, I know there's a lot of um, anniversary type album tours going on too. And it's amazing. Uh, uh, just the shows that are coming, coming to this area um, over the next handful of months. Well, it's like anything else, dude. I mean, the Sex Pistols were born out of an oppressive regime back in England. I think Trump being in office and all the corruption and shenanigans going on there is really pushing out some great punk and just great music yeah. across the board as people search to express themselves creatively as kind of a bellwick against what's going on with this administration and in the country. Yeah. People yep. unraveling fucking swastika flags at Bernie rallies and shit. I mean, people are getting out there with their weaponized creativity and they're yeah. putting out stuff to kind of push back against what they're seeing out there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you have to. That's where the good stuff comes from anyways. I, I personally feel I think you look at the times and the music and this, you know, this goes back to, you know, the classical, you know, romanticism periods where the big music pieces were taken out of during times where war, you know, serious wars were going on and you had these artists like creating these masterpieces and, and it, it's still the same it's way true. to this day it's still the same way to this day you know you go back to the civil rights times and the music that came out then all the way up to now and it's just amazing it's and it's refreshing it's refreshing to see the new artists it's refreshing to see older artists being like you know what we could actually sit around and enjoy what we reap the benefits of what we already have and not do anything and be okay but they're like no screw this we're going back out here and we're gonna we're gonna people need need it and we we want to provide it so i think that's really cool well speaking of amazing artists tonight we've got kimmy shelter from the Starbenders coming on dave dick yeah. of course from millions of dead cops mdc um b squid rapper hip-hop artist b squid our pal and gina rios from space goat finally dude i've been obsessed with space goat <laughs> for almost two years and they're finally coming on that's awesome no i'm looking forward to it it's a great set great set so so I guess it's time to get this show on the road. None of us are coughing yes, or yes. hacking, so I think we're in good shape, right, D? Sure thing. <laughs> All righty, our first guest tonight is a musical maverick whose lyrics connect with the listener on multiple levels and whose music somehow transcend, transcends popular mainstream music while also remaining completely accessible to fans from all walks of life. Here to talk about her new album, Love Potions, from the glam punk band Starbenders, the marvelous Kimmy Shelter. Kimmy, hello, and thank you for calling in. Yeah. What an what an introduction that was. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to make everyone feel at home. I was like, know. I was like, no, keep going, keep 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 going. Yeah. <laughs> well, next time you come on, I'll do like two paragraphs. Yeah. I'll yeah. write a dissertation about your cosmic grooviness. Yeah, that's that's great. That's great. <laughs> so I appreciate you calling in tonight, and um, this is your first time on the show. Every time someone comes on the show for the first time, I like them to tell the listeners just a little bit about your musical background and how Starbenders got started. Give us the lowdown. All right. Well, my name's Kimmy. I'm the singer and one of the guitar players in the band Starbenders. We're from Atlanta, Georgia. Our members are Emily Moon on the drums, Aaron Lucene on bass, and Chris Tokai on guitar. We've been a band for about, I'd say, four years is the safest number. And we are just uh, out, out here playing rock and roll and trying to bring it back and do what we love the most. And thank you for having me. 
Right on. So full disclosure, right off the bat, I only recently got turned on to you guys. And the first thing I did was I heard the new album, Love Potions. And then after that, I went back and listened to your older stuff. Now, I know Love Potions, you spent 13 months recording it. You had like a lot more time and a lot more resources to do the album that you wanted. And one of the things I was thinking about me being from the punk world do you worry as you have more opportunity and things get more comfortable that the band will lose some of its edge or does or kind of get too polished? Or do you never really lose that in the writing process? Are you coming from a much different place where you're, you don't really worry about like kind of losing that struggling edge that a lot of bands have when they start out? Yeah, I think that, that resources don't necessarily um, guarantee you comfort. I think that the more resources that are available to you, generally the expectations are higher. So if anything, things become more uncomfortable. The stakes get higher as you climb. Huh. If you okay. Climb. So in the beginning, everything was about freedom and not asking questions and being raw and real and just channeling. And while hmm. that foundation is still very much a part of what we do, we also we're really pushed way, 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 way out of our comfort zones. And it caused quite a bit of growth in all of us, not only as just the four of us, but in our individual um, sort of roles in the band as well. And so because of what we do and the kind of musicians that we are, comfort is never, ever the the goal. And I think that like as an artist, the more uncomfortable you are, usually the better your art is. So we've just walked the path that's in front of us. And so long as it felt right and we didn't feel like we were compromising our musical integrity and who we were, we just continued along the path. And sometimes you don't always know what to do, but you just need to put one foot in front of the other. And before you know it, you know, you're further down the road. And that's kind of like what all of this is about. Like we just focus on, keeping a positive mental attitude like bad brains and there you go there you go keeping it keeping everything moving and being kind and respectful to one another and not losing sight of that and loyalty and just honesty like with with each other and what we're doing always is going to keep it pure so resources just kind of make things a little thicker but they don't make things more comfortable <laughs> gotcha so i know i know give me um i was reading something on you guys uh not too long ago long ago about how when you all met you knew there was magic there from the, the moment you all met so uh just like nick was saying earlier for you know people that don't know you how did you all meet how did you all get together well aaron was the first that i met out of everybody and he's my other founding member and we met we were playing in a band that was put together it was kind of a project band that um the music director who you know eventually became my my mentor and producer nico constantine okay MDing for this kid that wanted to put together a rock band and um so aaron and i ended up getting hired for that and that's how not only did I meet Aaron, but we also met Nico as well. And that that project never really made it out of um, 
the rehearsal space. And so I knew I still wanted to work with Nico and he told me to, you know, he was, it was kind of like, we'll find something for you. And I was like, wait a fucking second. So I started writing, (laughs) I just started writing furiously and, and I, and I sent it to him and he was like, I didn't know you could write. I didn't know you could sing, put a band together. We're in the studio next week. So wow. I, I, and you know, I didn't know, I mean, I had written and stuff before, but I was a, I was a hired gun guitar player, um, Mm -hmm. my whole life. And so singing is like only new to me in this band. And, you know, this is like, in my mind, my only role now, you know, it's like, you know, being a front woman and, um, you know, our destiny finds us if we're humble and quiet enough to, to hear it when it calls out our names. So I think that when when the time came, I instantly called Aaron, and he's been with me ever since. And we've had a couple passing ships, but ultimately it ended up with Chris on guitar, and we met him at a house party in the middle of nowhere okay. like out in the sticks, out in the sticks here in Georgia, and we, were, and we just instantly snaked him because we thought he was so amazing. And, oh, um, nice, nice. And uh, <laughs> then Emily, actually, we had kind of gotten to the point where we were going to start looking for um, a new drummer. And our bass player, Aaron, he got on Craigslist and found her. And she had actually moved from Houston, Texas to Atlanta for a band that ended up breaking up and was about to move back home and become a oh wow go to dental hygienist school she was like you know so frustrated and uh, right right they showed me her videos and you know i was like i was like fucking get her we need her like she's, she's amazing <laughs> like who the fuck talk like, about serendipity she, she could be yeah, rooting yeah. people's mouths right now if it wasn't for yeah, no, it is. it is and you know like my life in this band has been filled with like many synchronicities you know and I'm like really into the idea of like synchronicities being the indicator that you are on the right path. And like, I think that like once you, you're just kind of onto something, things like that just keep happening. And like, that's all that this has been is just continuing to follow the breadcrumbs. And um, that's amazing. Yeah. And so that's kind of how, how we all came to be. And um, it's, it's how you also know that, you know, you're doing the right thing. Cause, if you don't find a band member that completes you in that way, or like maybe you don't have the guts to get the better suited band member or do any of these things, or, you know, like I think you end up staying in the same place and maybe you like never grow and change and you ultimately, you know, don't get to your chief definite aim. But I think that like the universe like indicates, you know, the fact that you're destined for greatness according to what it what it puts around you and like what you're swift enough to kind of like pick up on as well because i think a lot of times mm-hmm. like people are put like people places and things are like put in our paths that like we don't even realize like these little mini miracles are being put in front of us every day and like maybe yeah, we're too caught yep. up in like being stressed out or like traffic pissed us off or you know for coronavirus sure. and it's like you know we don't like sometimes we're so shut off to like these like little like assists that the universe is like giving us you know and i think that like the band and all that stuff has just been it's all it's all been about that it's all just been about staying tuned in and like looking for that stuff you know no i mean i agree 100 percent. i recently was just in new york and a bunch of opportunities just kind of fell in my lap 
And I knew like I made the right decision going out there and being part of this project that was just a whim. And I was like, you know what? I'm in Tennessee, but I'm going to take the family out to New York for 10 days and actually participate in this play, even though I have no theater experience and we're going to do it. And then a whole lot of other doors opened up just because I took that leap of faith. Right. Yeah. And And I felt right. I knew like that's where I was supposed to be. I'm glad you brought this up, too, about synchronicity, because over the past six months to a year we've had several bands on like um bonnie from death valley girls and crow jane and we've talked with them about this idea that they feel like they're more like this cosmic conduit for what the universe is trying to express more than just like a straightforward songwriter and i've been hearing that idea put out there more and more is that something that you kind of relate to that you're not writing as much as you're staying open and the cosmos is kind of expressing itself through you um i think that that channeling is definitely a part of it but i also think that there's like and you guys experience this as well since you're in journalism um there's such it just feels so good to be able to sit down and know you can write something or create something so it's like also having that identity as a writer is like something that nobody can take from you and i Mm -hmm. think that like like channeling and kind of just being the vessel for some of this stuff to come through is is a big part of it but i also think that like you have to give yourself a little credit sometimes like you know, it's like you see people get up like on the Oscars and they're like, I just given it all to God. And you're like, no, fuck no, man. I've worked hard and I've honed it and I've cultivated it. And yes, I channeled and I did all that shit. But, you know, I wrote that motherfucker, you know, <laughs> so it's like, I think that, like I take I take a lot of ownership in being a writer because I think that that's such a um, a point of strength for me as well, for especially being a young female artist. Like I'm like, you know, songwriter just has like such weight to it, you know, like. It's just like, you know, sometimes it's like, God damn, songwriter, you know. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm into this thing that I call weaponized creativity. And I used to have a political panel show and I would go toe to toe with these Trump dudes and things got toxic and I started getting very hateful and it was interfering with my personal and family life. And now I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to flood the world with as much positive as I can and just create positive spaces for people and put out because there's, there's something a miserable prick hates. It's everybody else having a good time. So mm-hmm. I feel like creativity and art is the last bastion against fascism. So now I go, I approach it from a totally different way. And I'm like, I'm doing weaponized creativity. I'm going out there and I'm just going to keep flooding the universe with the good until it overwhelms the bad. And maybe that's kind of a cop out. I don't know. So I don't have to go toe to toe anymore, but it's worked a lot better for me. Yeah. And I mean, you know, one of the seven hermetic principles is, you know, balance, which is as above, so below. And I think that being positive and like kind of cultivating positivity in our thoughts and like shaping our, our minds to emitting that stuff and being a source of light is like, um, it's very vital. And it's like the only way to be happy in my mind, you know, and in my life. So like, I think that, yeah, you, you know, if you kind of like get sunk into like the, the very loud, negativity um mm-hmm. that's out there you know it's, it's really easy to kind of get sucked into it and, yeah it's uh, a viper yeah, yeah. 
it's real easy to get sucked into it, especially when it's like, like I live in Baltimore. So the negative, the negativity here is on a whole nother level. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, the first 45 minutes of the news is all negative. And then, you know, they'll yeah. do that yeah. one yeah. wonderful story. I, and my kids always ask me, they're like, man, wonder why, you know, why can't they start with the stories that are good? <laughs> like, why can't they start with the, the young entrepreneur that's helping inner city kids or, or this woman that's, you know, handing out uh, free advice on job searches or whatever. And, but it's, it's, it's the same thing every day. And it just beats you down to that point where that's all you feel. And if you let that take over your life, that that's what it's going to be. If you don't forcefully go out there and be like, you know what? No, I'm going to go the direction that I'm, I'm supposed to go or, or, or need to go. So I get it. Totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like, I think that like, if we look at things from even the perspective of like physics, you know, or like, so obviously it takes very little energy to like sit down or lay down, but it actually takes effort to stand up. And I think that negativity and positivity is in that way. I think that negativity is like cheap food that's like a big part of commerce you know so it's like mm-hmm. that like i think that the media can sell that bullshit to us really easily like better than positivity you know and i think that there's a reason why you know fast food and all these places are like multi-billion dollar industries like you know and i think that that it's it all it's all just one and the same you know and i think that you know, if you think about box office sales and all that stuff, like, you know, if you if you want to go watch the, the movie about the fucking Labrador that has cancer and, like, plays a basketball game, it's not going to make <laughs> much money as, like, the, the, the horror movie, like, where, like, young girls get murdered for two hours straight, you know? So it's yeah, kind of like yeah. people just buy – people want to fucking throw their money down so quick on that stuff, you know? And I think it's, it's because, like, we're, we all – inherently feel really alone and that our voices don't matter and all that kind of stuff so it's almost like the misery loves company sentiment I think that like you know you know some people I've seen get get actually angry when a happy person comes around because you know they don't yeah that's what I was saying man there's nothing like a miserable prick hates more than seeing other people have a good time because they feel like they're left out of the party but all they have to do is come in they just can't get out of their own way yeah yeah and I mean Iggy Pop has this song called Winners and Losers, and in one of the verses, it's, I think it's like, like, leeches gain the right to send their message screaming, one that has no meaning, and then he, like, continues on to say that he'll just eat his breakfast, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, and I think that's so fucking hip, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, like, these leeches are just out there screaming and it's like the message means nothing. And like, you, you hear people like constantly arguing out of both sides of their neck and, you know, he's over here like, I'll just eat my breakfast. I think yep. it's like so fucking hip. And I think that, that like, this is, that's, that's like what, it, what it's all about, you know? And I think that like things are really confusing right now. And I think that like, it's really surreal, all of this like crazy shit that's going on in the world. And yeah. like, and like, I think that more and more people are waking up or starting to ask questions at least. And, you know, I do think that more people are going to want more, you know, and like Vivian Westwood, this designer that I really admire, she has, she has this whole thing, you know, like how in the nineties and stuff, it was like a diss to be like, get a life, you know, why don't Mm -hmm. you get a life, you know, 
So she was actually like, I want to get a life. Like, like, let's get a life. Like, let's, let's all like, just get a life worth fucking living. Like, let's, let's give like the younger generations a life. Let's give them a life. Let's make sure that like, there's, it's still like a livable world with like natural resources, like where we can actually like have a high quality of life and all these things, you know? And so I think that like, I look to people like that, like during all this stuff and, the cool thing about the noise is all you have to do is close the laptop. That is it. That is it. Like I've got the decent day job and I've got, you know, the nice, you know, fairly nice house and a nice car and all that. And we have so much stuff now, so many DVDs and just so much crap. And me and D who's also my wife, we've been talking for the last year about just selling everything, moving into an RV and hitting the road. Because it's like it's just too much stuff. I mean, I have so many movies. I was like, you know, this is sick. I, yeah. I have like a, over a thousand DVDs, and yeah. I could sit and I stopped collecting them probably three or four years ago. But I collected DVDs for like twenty years, and I was right. like, you know, I could put in a DVD and quit my job and just lay here and watch DVDs all day that I'm awake and never move, <laughs> and I still wouldn't get through them all in my life. What the fuck do I have all these DVDs for? This yeah. is sick. And I would sell them all and give it to charity. Wait, what are you going to get for DVDs now? Like 50 cents a piece? So it's like I just have all this rot everywhere. And I'm like, dude, I just want to chuck it all, move into an RV, work online, and hit the road. Yeah, and, and there's nothing keeping you from doing that. And I think that there's, like, a big bit of freedom, like, when you, like, really realize, like, you know, it's like when we're kids and shit and, like, you you know, your parents tell you just do something. It's like, you can't tell me what to do. And they're like, actually, I can. It's like, I think we still get stuck in that, like, like little kid, like we, we end up still feeling like children, like with that sense of like hopelessness and lack of control and also the lack of um, access to being able to make decisions for ourselves. And I think that like as adults, like you can like really start to realize, you, you know what, no, no one can tell me what to do, who I am or how I feel. And I think that like a lot of times, like that, that's a very childlike perspective to be you know, and I think a lot of us stay there, like me, me, especially, you know, and I've, I know, I have talked about this stuff, because I, you know, I think about this shit constantly. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, I think that, like, once you, like, really realize, like, no, I do have choices. I'm not, like, a child without choices anymore. If I don't want to fucking eat broccoli, I don't have to eat broccoli, even though I love broccoli. So I would still <laughs> eat the broccoli. But, um, um, so I think that, like, it's really important to know that we do have choices, you know, and I think that, like, getting stuck, like, in that place where you think that, like, it's just done for you, you're, like, stuck with this miserable life, or, like, in your case, you're, like, stuck with all these goddamn DVDs, like, like just throw that shit in the sack and drop it off at the good Not place. just that. Going back to your broccoli <laughs> analogy, yeah. I remember when I was young, it used to always be like, clear your plate, clear, clear your plate. You can't get up to you, clear your plate. One time when I was like 12, I ate like four tuna fish sandwiches, and my family's like, look, look what a good eater he is. So oh, yeah. about three or four years ago, and I'm not fat, fat, <laughs> but you know, I'm like probably 20, a good 20, 25 pounds overweight. And um, I'm sitting there eating. And I'm like, why am I – I'm full, but I'm compulsively clearing my plate. And yeah. I was like, that was fucking conditioned in me for 20 years living at home. Like, you're a bad person. Yeah. You're hurting hungry people if you don't clear your plate. That I was just compulsively cleaning my plate when I wasn't hungry. And I really had to – first I had to recognize it, and then even harder, I had to break myself out of it. And now I will – 
like be like, all right, I'm done because I'm done. I won't feel compelled to have right. to. It just shows that these little nuanced conditionings that you have that you might never notice because you wouldn't notice at the time you were being conditioned. And there's yeah, no taskmaster yeah. actually like conditioning you in a re-education camp to finish your broccoli. But yeah. it's embedded in you because you've done it through repetition a million times as a fucking kid. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like even like um, Karamo, one of the guys from the reboot of Queer Eye, um, he talked about this recently. I believe it, it was either on Russell Brand's podcast or his own podcast, which he's amazing. I love Karamo Brown. But mm-hmm. um, he was talking about how like like kids from a young age are taught that their personal boundaries aren't aren't valued either. Like it's like go hug your uncle, you know, and, like when you're a child and you're like, this man is a stranger. You've never even met this motherfucker, and you're like, exactly. you're like a child. And they're like, yep. go hug your uncle. Give him a kiss. And you're like a fucking child. And you're like, no, I don't want to. I'm scared. I don't want to hug that dude. And so, he smells and parents, like cold 45 and a cigarette. Your parents, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, like, go, go give your aunt a kiss. And, and you're like, oh, God. Like, you know, and so I think, like, from a really young age, we're also taught that our personal boundaries aren't um, something that, that can be honored or respected, too. Because it's like we, you know, it's like, forcing a child to go give a hug even though they're uncomfortable and all these kinds of things it's like just conditioning or like eating to the point of pain i remember that too as a child you know like the finish your plate thing you know it's like yeah you know it's like like you're literally eating to the point of being in physical pain yeah and and like so it's like that that sort of conditioning and like conditioning like that eventually becomes a character defect but we're Eating news, bad news into her in physics. It's a good allegory for that. You know what? Yeah. I could talk to you, go down the rabbit hole with you for two hours, Kimmy. <laughs> we have got to talk about your new album. Yeah. So, Dee, we're going to play some push off the new album, and then we'll come right back to finish up with Kimmy Shelter. Hit it, Dee. with Kimmy Shelter. We just heard Push off her new album, Starbender's new album, Love Potions. Um, Kimmy, just give us a little bit of detail about Love Potions, the process. Like I was saying earlier in the show, you took 13 months to make this album. Did it feel completed in a way your previous work didn't feel completed because you had so much time? Or were you like, oh man, like this never feels like it's going to be done. Like I keep wanting to add a cherry on top and just keep upping it and upping it and upping it? Or did you get to a comfortable place where you said, exhale, it's done? Yeah, you know, we, we like were totally ready. We were probably ready to put it out like three months after we wrote it, you know, and it's just like the process of um, 
like really putting together a big body of work like that and like um, just making sure like everything's exactly where it needs to be and all of those things are something that we we did with Love Potions more than we have any other record. Um, we're, we're pretty quick. Like we don't, we're not a big like um, perfectionist band. We're not like, no, it can't be heard until we put one more guitar on the fifth verse. You know, like we, when we did it, it was, just really swift you know I spoke earlier about synchronicities and like following the breadcrumbs and like this was definitely that the case with this record and like um our producer Nico he really he's so good at organizing us and like I think he's our fifth Beatle you know he's our George Martin and like <laughs> he just he just kind of you know he's great in these in those moments especially like with putting the record together like I really love working with a producer like I know some artists prefer to produce their own music and not work with one but I I really enjoy that experience so it was kind of just like a familial experience like with the you know the four band members and him and you know our little team we put together between our engineers and you know our A&R over at Sumerian Amanda and the owner Ash and you know like even our um like our mix engineer it was just like everybody just really had their a game on with this and like we were we were definitely like really happy with the place that it was and ready for it to come out when it did so it it's you know something that we're all really proud of and honored to have been a part of for sure and i know you were saying that um you have you have your team and your in and and the people that you connect with because I know just reading off of a, a lot of things that you were saying that as far as the band it's one of those things where it's like no we want to be the first at this we want to be the first at that so having that connection with the people you have does that, I, I would I would assume that makes it a lot easier because you know just the communications and understanding each other's vibes and and, and things of that nature yeah and like like we're not like we really love a team and like we're not like um iconoclast like we're not like thinking like we need to be the um the first and only like the sole creators like all these things and like with like working with the team like I grew up playing sports and like really see the value of it and like really mm-hmm. see the the um importance of the mastermind alliance and um we just kind of roll that way just as just as an institution and it's it's what is a big part of the magic of the music and the band and like our world too because like our fans get to come be a part of that world too because like they end up becoming uh, you know the bigger piece of our our mastermind like with with the fans and it's like it's kind of this like big like synergistic thing like it's it's an interactive experience like with them too because like and that's why they feel like a lot of ownership and they feel like they're a part of the family you know because it's built on on the team that's a beautiful thing well that's why your shows are so important from and and so impressive from um from the videos i've seen and just from uh, just the connections that you have uh it's it it matches so well with what you what you all are doing yeah and like we you know we kind of come from that world of like you know with bands like kiss and all that stuff like where maybe you know people didn't really connect as much until they heard you know kiss alive or like went to the mm-hmm. live shows and things like that and like 
think people really get it when they see us live. Um, they also don't really expect us to be as like punk or um, like loud and aggressive as we are. Um, and I, but I also think that we like challenge like gender roles and we challenge like expectations of like what people put on us, you know, like, like we know looking and dressing the way that we do, we've got to really come with it. And like, it's funny cause Chris and I, um, we're with Gibson guitars and we, they put us on their Instagram and like all the comments were like, Oh great. Two models holding guitars. Like, why don't you pick some people that can really play? And then, you know, <laughs> went in there and they're like, they were like posting links of videos, you know, and it's just like, it's like very entertaining to like, also like see people just be so wrong, you know, it's like, Oh it's God. Like, it's, like, it's like Iggy pop says, you know, you just got to fucking eat your breakfast, you know, like, like just get get some like fucking fat stack of pancakes, sit back and let people be wrong, you know. Like that's <laughs> yeah, that's a skill set I definitely need to learn. All right, let's finish up with this because you guys are getting ready to go back out on tour. I know you're playing a lot of dates across the Midwest and stuff. And this is what I was thinking about because you have so much energy on tour. When you come back to Atlanta, you're done with tour. Is especially somewhere like Japan. Is the whole experience so draining you need a few weeks to decompress? Or are you so fucking amped up from the experience the day you get back or like, let's get back in the studio or let's get back in rehearsal and start writing and start kicking more ass? Um, I think like it's like I mentioned earlier, like you can use the laws of physics to your advantage. You know, like an object in motion will stay in motion unless acted upon by an outside force. So it's kind of like if you if it's if you're always ready and you stay ready and you don't let people take too much from you. If you don't have to give, you don't allow people to max you out. You like respect your boundaries. You respect where you're at. You make sure you're refilling the, your tank along the way. You make sure you're not like doing shit you're not supposed to do, eating terrible food, staying up too late, not drinking enough water, drinking too much, like all that shit. If you don't like fucking max yourself out over there, it's like usually you can keep it going forever. And I think a lot of young people still buy into the rock and roll legends that that's what they're supposed to do but it's like like no the, the hippest thing that you can do is like fucking live forever you know so it's kind of like we're kind of like go for that you know and like we just make sure like we're thinking about things like from a sustainable perspective and like making sure that you know we're not getting maxed out and so we're able to like run real hard you know it's like I said I grew up playing sports like we kind of like approach this like athletes you know and like we treat ourselves like olympic athletes too you know and i think that it's important for kids to see that too like i think that they need to see like young men and women who like are actually like treating themselves with self-worth and self-respect and like Mm -hmm. you know not letting them you know not letting people take from them too much it's like important you know for sure. And I mean, along those lines, I remember years ago, Henry Rollins said something that really struck a chord with me and changed, shifted my perceptions a bit. And he said, look, if you want to rebel, if you really want to rebel against your parents, you don't get drunk and wrap your car around a tree. You outlive them and you out earn them. That's how you yeah. fucking rebel. And I've yep. kind of taken that and carried it with me. This whole idea, like when life hands you lemons, you're like, yeah, I love fucking lemons. What else you got for me? Like, I've really tried to approach things from that kind of lunch pail, cash and carry Henry Rollins template. And I think mm-hmm. it's done well for me to kind of look at that world in that terms. Yeah, definitely. And I love Henry Rollins. And, you know, I, I mentioned, like, even Brad, Bad Brains earlier. It's like PMA, like, like, right. Fucking, like, whole mm-hmm. records, like, being dedicated yeah. to positive mental attitude. Like, here you had, like, the toughest, coolest, like, rule-breaking band of all time, Bad Brains, you know, and then it's, like, 
like we got that attitude we got that pma you know it's like that's so fucking cool that's so cool like <laughs> like they're over here like we got positive mental attitude like and they fucking sold that to people that's amazing you know, yeah that, that's it I think that yep artists i think that artists can do that again you know and it just takes kind of like being hip to it and not like buying the bullshit like we talked about like buying the negativity like you know like feed yourself with like fruits and vegetables and don't watch terrible shit you know and like like give your brain stuff that like actually gives you a shot to get to a better place you know yeah i mean i have a saying i always like to leave a room smarter than i entered it so i'm constantly Mm -hmm. trying to learn shit and i'm not even talking about even just exclusively book knowledge i'm just talking about different perspectives so i want to thank you for calling in tonight on that yeah kimmy your words are very inspiring before you go out the door please tell everybody what you've got coming up in 2020 where they can get the new album love potions and where we can find you on the interwebs all right you can get our new record love potions on sumerian records just go to their website it's right there or you can come to one of our shows and buy it from us in the physical we'll find it for you and everything i'm um, selling it on vinyl <laughs> um there we're gonna have japanese vinyl soon as well as american vinyl but i'm not 100 percent sure on our domestic vinyl but um we do have cds right now for love potions and it's available on all streaming platforms as well spotify and amazon and like i don't really know anything other than spotify so <laughs> But um, there, if you look for it. Um, but so, and then we're going to be going on tour with Dollskin. We're leaving on March 27th, and then following that, we'll be on tour with The Sounds. So nice. you pretty much can find us anywhere. <laughs> Are you finding when you go out on tour that the audience or the energy is different in Atlanta? Because Atlanta is not the typical place you think of when you think of punk rock in any incarnation. Um, you know, every city's different, but like it's cool because like you know it depends on like what band we're like on tour with as well, like the vibe. But like people just want to like come out and they want to feel something and they want to feel like they're not being judged. And you find that in every city, like like that's what that's what they want. You know, they want something different. They want something brave. You know, and they want to just like be free. So it's 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 out there. It's out there. You know. I think that's a beautiful place in. All righty, Kimmy, thank you so much for calling in. We hope to hear from you again soon. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. Cause so bad I want them to be the culture in my crew Nah, 
I am stuck for all my days, hopelessly I'm in a daze. My love, it never pays to pretend I know the way to a final resting place. 115, I bump the pace toward a senatorial oh, race. Why the radio silence, dear? We're here, I hear the vibe in here. I fail the silence, dear. Alrighty, our next guest is a poet, filmographer, and hip-hop artist who is probably one of the most genuine people I know, here to update on everything new in her world, the lyrically engaging and always enchanting B-Squid. Allison, thank you so much for calling Sweet in. Sweet introduction. <laughs> thank yeah, you for I'm, having me. Yeah, it's you know, it's been way, way too long. I the the only thing about this show is I don't get to talk to everybody as much as I want. Mm-hmm. I wish I could do this show Sorry. like every day, but Dee would throttle me if I wanted to do this like an hour a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just convinced Odell to like let me start doing like two hours. Um, yeah. instead oh. of an hour because I'm like, an hour is not enough time to speak with all the beautiful and creative people. No, it's good. It's like uh, the, the check-in is almost like a productivity meter. It's like, how are you moving? You still moving? Are you doing? How is, how's everything going? What's, <laughs> yep, yep. Well, speaking <laughs> of which, um, before we jump into 2020, I was on your Facebook, the actual B-Squid page the other day, and I noticed you didn't have a whole lot going on, and I hadn't seen a whole lot coming from that page in 2019. Were you just kind of using mm-hmm. 2019 to regroup? Were you doing more local stuff? Tell us about 2019. And um, the last time I spoke to you in 2018, you were putting the album together. Are you still working on the same album or did you scratch everything and you're starting over? Kind of update us. So uh, coming into 2019, I had, um, I was, so like in 2018, I started school to get my engineering chops together so that I could finish my first like totally self-produced album and then um in 2019 I uh finished school around like March and I set a hard deadline for myself and I was just awake day and night constantly uh mixing the album and trying to give myself deadlines because I knew that if I didn't meet my own deadline I would just put it off forever and be like you know Mm -hmm. so I finished it I had it mastered um in I want to say like April is when I finished it now I know it feels like a long time because it's been a year since I had the the damn thing mastered but um I you know I've, I've just been kind of like hoping for a uh, reasonable launch idea and launch pad to kind of come together, not just sort of like shove it out into the world because it, it's a really special project to me. Um, it's 12 songs. They're uh, all the beats that I made on my own. And, and it's the first time I've made my own beats and I'll be publishing them to the world, which is really exciting for me. Um, and I have one feature on the album, which is uh, my touring partner abstract rude and he's on one of the tracks and then right otherwise on. it's like a totally solo album yeah i've i started using live instruments i've got um you know they're really cool spacey like i have you know tubas trombones live drums on every track i've got um a, i've got a flute in there somewhere and djembe's and i use my shaker tins as a as an instrument at one point i mean i, I just kind of tried to be like weirdly creative and, and get something together that uh that made every beat special you know um and so that's done and now i'm and the, and the album is called movie night 
originally I was calling it Scoops. And I think that's what I maybe said the last time we were talking that I was working on my Scoops album. Right. But, um, I changed the, changed the title to Movie Night because to me, the, the, well, the title track is a song called Movie Night. And it's sort of about, you know, a night at the movies. But it's also about the fact that, like, if I can, if I can write my, if I can write my fantasy down and that come to life, that might be the best case scenario. <laughs> I like the imagery um, of that title too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you, do you think oh, you'll, um, do you think by any chance when you start playing out that you'll actually have a live band with you as well? Man, that would be a dream. Um, I haven't <laughs> done it yet. Um, I have an amazing drummer who I think would be really cool. I have, an incredible tuba player who is down to down to play. Um, my trombonist is constantly on the road with his band Dust Bowl Revival, and they're killing it. Um, and then you know, I, I don't know. Like I haven't really uh, raked that together yet. Right now, what I'm trying to do is pull together these videos so I can have like projection visuals to accompany the the set and the release. Um, because the dream would be that if I played the set. And I had these short films playing behind me at the same time. That would be like really amazing. Um, oh my and then god, that is quite like a, like a, the endeavor to take on. That is so yeah. many moving parts. <laughs> There's like a lot of like art involved, and I find that you know as soon as I execute one thing like really amazing, then everything else has to kind of fall into place. And one thing is haphazard, and one thing is half finished, and. Uh, it's like but, Beast, you know, it's uh, Rube Goldberg machine. You know, the Rube yeah. Goldberg machine's like mousetrap the game. That's what it reminds me of. You got a little rap Rube, hip hop Rube Goldberg machine going back there in the lab. <laughs> yeah, I just like really hope that it all uh, comes together. And I'm working really hard on it, and I have a lot of support. Um, so, you know, as you know, like I've, I started bartending uh, when I was going to school to, you know, feed myself. And um, in doing this, I've been, um, well, the bar that I work at, we cosplay at. So I've been doing a lot of cosplay and just costumes and makeup and sort of learned how to put on makeup in the last year. So that's really <laughs> informed my look a lot, which is exciting for me. And this first video that I shot, like, I actually kind of look good in, which I, I'm excited about because I don't think that I've really put any super time or effort into um, my look before being photographed for my other videos. Um, so this is kind of like a new endeavor. I just hope that this whole project sort of brings it up to the next level for me, you know? And you there also you go. There you go. like you're in so much more of a positive space than when I spoke with you in 2018 and shit was going off the rails politically in this country, and it still is. Do you find the cosplaying and all this creativity makes it easier to deal with like all the political toxicity and upheaval that's going on right now? I'll say yes, and the reason is because I am living my life a lot more in um, in through the lens of like pop culture and media than than anything else you know um there's not a lot of people who walk in into my life and want to talk about politics and gun control and uh and in anything you know that's going on out there like they want to talk about comic books and they want to talk about the joker movie and they want to talk about you know everything that's that's going on in the world of uh nerd stuff which is so refreshing and so fun and um it's such an amazing community that that uh that this 
that this world has given me for this past year. Um, and I'm, I'm reveling in that, you know, there is definitely a very positive vibe to it. Plus it's a really sunny day outside right now. And I think the last time we talked, it was like raining, cold and gross and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was that way for months um, back when all this shit first went down. All right, let me shift gears mm-hmm. here because I want to kind of ask you this philosophical question. Looking back over okay. your eight years as an as actually in the game, as they say, how do you feel like you've evolved as an artist? And the way I know the way I'm using social media is very different than I was even last time I talked to you. Do you find, because mm-hmm. I find a lot of artists are using social media in a different way. I'm kind of veered away from talking any politics online. And like you were just saying, keeping everything through the lens of like the nerd culture and pop culture. So let's take this in two parts. First, how do you feel like you've evolved over the last eight years? Do you feel like you're at where you need to be at? I think that um, I could always, you know, I could always be better. <laughs> um, I think that I, I, every time I look up and I think that I've evolved, I know I still have barely scratched the surface and that is such a weird feeling, but it's also, it's also so true. You know, um, I feel like if I, if I had my way, you know, I would have, I would have been discovered or whatever, but then I also know that there's this part of me that, you know, doesn't believe in that at all. And so, you know, there's like, there's two roads that I maybe am walking mm-hmm. down. I'm just kind of waiting for something to, something to snag. But um, as a, as an artist, I think that, you know, I've progressed very, uh, very well, very much, very deeply um, in that, you know, when I started, I was top lining over beats that I was scraping up. Actually, when I started, I was like, whatever I could find. And then I was like, have my sister make me a beat um, from across the world. <laughs> Please tell me anything you have so that I can just rap on it. And now I'm, I, I started, when I started making my own beats, it was, the goal was to have, you know, two hours of music that I could play in the bus while I was driving on tour. And I had no lyrics on it at all. And that evolved mm-hmm. into, or like it whittled its way down to 12 songs. And then I wrote these lyrics. So now every song has like a topic and is, you know, I think you I think you guys are really going to enjoy the album when it when it does come out. Um, but yeah, it has. There's so much going on with it, um, and I'm I'm pretty proud of like the diversity between the tracks, just in in topics alone, and everything. I think that you know I cover a range of stuff. Like I talk about, um, like there's like sadness. There's uh, there's change. And like an empowering ballad, you know, there's ones that you want to party to and ones that you uh, are like a little afraid of outside in the dark. It's a rainbow of emotion. You're across the spectrum on it. It it really is. It really is. And and without trying super hard, I I didn't like repeat two topics. Like I just kind of kept it fresh through and through. Um, I think that, you know, it has it, it it has its own flow, sort of like my first album does, but in a in like a way more personal way. So the writing process, do you find it easier to write on the road? Are you more inspired and more creative on the road, or do you find it easier to write in your own private space? Well, when I write um, when I write on the road, a lot of times, like I'll grab um, like I'll have an idea and just like write it down, and that'll be usually you know one of the 
600 notes that's in my iPhone that whenever I sit down in the studio and I'm like on the spot, I'll go through all of the rhymes that I've written and I'll, I'll, I'll leaf through them and try them out all out and then just write something original <laughs> until I decide that nothing suits it and everything is unique. So I often don't reuse the stuff that I write on the road. If I'm in the studio on the road, that's a different story. I get really inspired when I'm in the room and I'm working with a producer or I'm working with uh, another artist and I can just write on the spot there and usually can jam something out in a few hours. Um, but like, one of the songs on my new project, I remember I was on my break at work and I sat in the booth with my laptop for 30 minutes and I put these headphones on and I just like made this beat <laughs> and I thought it was really awesome. And then I, I ended up using it on my album. And then, you know, some of them, like they just kind of fall out of me. They, and it happens when it happens, like writing a beat that happens when I feel emotional or I'm inspired or like I just am opening my project files every day and I have a good system and flow about it but when it comes to writing lyrics I actually was stuck on the lyric part of this project because I was so excited about the beat making aspect of it all that I for a while there thought I was going to put out an instrumentals album and I was like maybe there are no lyrics and then do you think I you'll go that route one day just doing production no. or in, in doing like doing more of the behind the scenes, the, the producing and of the beats and, and things of that nature. Do you yeah. see yourself doing that? I do. Actually, I do. Um, not necessarily like the type of producer who is writing beats and sending them to other artists or, or producing other artists mm -hmm. per se, but in the sense that um, I, I've been enjoying the idea and possibility and opportunity to write music for um friends shorts or tv pilots and things like nice. that nice um, yeah like if i have a yeah you know i was really inspired by this artist aesop rock and um he's Love one him. of my favorites yep. I, he's, he's yeah, one of mine I too his, he, <laughs> he, i saw his trajectory like you know how first he's like you know making awesome songs and like super lyrical and then oh he's now he's making his own beats and i listen to this like skeleton album and i'm like wow this is amazing and then next thing i know i'm like seeing his name is you know he's scoring movie projects and and i was like i want to do that that's, that's oh, that looks like a good yeah. path for me um right now like since i finished the album i haven't um i've been I, I try to like focus my energy on what i need to do to get done so in terms of writing songs like if I were to dive into like writing songs for my new project like for another album I would set this one down and move forward and I don't want to do that I do want to put this project out so I'm trying to focus my energy right now on doing the videos and writing the videos and getting the production together for that but in the moments that I've made music since I finished this project they have come out as like piano like sonatas and just like me playing with layering my keyboard and and uh playing with theory and creating songs and I, i'm having a lot of fun and they sound nothing like hip-hop and nothing like anything um but they are i think really musical and magical and mythical and their own little cool world um and i'm pretty excited about that too um so I, I do feel like you know there's a future where you know i have more projects that are sort of 
movie score based or TV score based. And I'm also putting that out into the universe because I have so much fun doing that type of thing. Let me flash back real quick to something you said, because I have this image in my head of you at work with your laptop and putting songs together. I'm assuming everybody you work with knows what you do. Do you have people constantly coming up and be like, hey, check this out. I got to go into the storeroom, get some croutons and go home and sleep on my futon. Like, is everybody always <laughs> trying to like interject lyrics to you or like, hey, why don't you do a, a song about this or that? Funny enough, not really, um, because the job is, is very, very nerd focused. So, um, which is like, it's like really interesting. You know, you would think once in a while I have people like it's, it's more rare than you would think, but once in a while I have people come in and they're like, uh, I'm a rapper or whatever. Um, and they want to hear me rap. So I have to do like a, Oh, I don't have to, but I do like a moment where I'm, sort of rapping and there's like music in the background it's like it doesn't it's not super conducive to like showing off what I've got but um right I, I think that you know once in a while like I'll meet a girl and she's like I'm a rapper too and then we'll just have like a like a rap off moment oh there was a time that I had a some some guys that were traveling and came through and they were like really excitable and one of my barbacks was like um and they were trying to like make a bet with me um about something i think i like i had already won all of this guy's stuff they like, were traveling worldwide ring. or they were and, american but, uh no they were like traveling worldwide but i don't really nice. know where from um but like you know we get a lot of travelers coming through and uh and <laughs> somebody was like I, you know uh, he got to get his stuff back he goes um we should do like a like a rap battle and i was like ooh rap battle i don't know if i can uh and then my bar back walks through and he's like yo you don't want to get in a rap battle with this chick. <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know if I can, if I can throw down in that. And he's like, watch. And then he's like, says something. And then, um, and then I schooled him pretty hard. Was and the line as I good as that, I got to go to the store and get croutons before I go to bed on my futon? I don't was know. Croutons better and croutons. Good. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> All right, let's finish up with this. I want to talk 2020, and I want to talk movie night. Do you have a release date? And what do you have coming up in 2020? Tell us what the wonderful world of B-Squid looks like in 2020. So in 2020, um, my release date is uh, loosely projected to be May. And that's my big plan. That's what I'm working toward right now. And the only thing I need to do to get that in order is produce and complete a few videos in that time and I've got one shot and um I do want to do one for like every song which is I know very ambitious, ambitious but at least yeah. three, <laughs> at least three or four I mean I know like there's two or three that I kind of don't really care about making videos for but they could definitely have something <laughs> so um so actually what I'm trying to do is make each one its own sort of like movie fantasy type of genre um something that pays homage to old films that i love um they have artistic production value qualities and sort of tie together so like right. i just shot the first one and it was like a, a rapunzel scene in which i throw down this 30 foot braid and it kind of attracts too many curious curious people and and it's a scary thing really <laughs> Um, but I also used the different scenes that I shot for this video to to shoot um, 
lyrical performances from other songs because there's all these matching imagery between songs that have like a little map built out like one of those detective crazy wall map with the red string of like how each song weirdly connects with images <laughs> it's like a it's like a it's um, like a private detective show or something and you got your image right totally. in the center and you have all these lines going across <laughs> so that song yeah, you like don't I, care <laughs> as much about you could just what about just doing a medley for a medley for is what is it a medley where you put a bunch medley. of medley yeah a medley for them and just run three or four songs together like 60 seconds of each song and then you could say i've done the whole album at least on some level right and like the idea like i said is to have these to be able to project it while i'm performing it on stage oh gotcha gotcha yeah you know that where my lips aren't moving like maybe there's more um maybe there's more story and then it, it kind of overlaps or you know and then i don't know i'm still kind of working out like a heartbeat of the whole project you know, because a lot of it is about dreams and, and awakes and, and fantasies and, and weird thoughts. And um, and then the, the question mark is like, well, am I am I just zoning out while I'm bartending like in a, you know, a, a JD from Scrubs kind of a way where I'm I like, can see mm, that. And like, you know, <laughs> or am I or am I falling asleep and dreaming in its inception where you don't know, uh, you know, what's what? Am I awake? Am I asleep? And that's tuna fish trying to interject my spirit creature talking (laughs) i don't know if you heard her just now but (laughs) (laughs) so was the game plan to release the video before you release the album is kind of a ramp up to it i think that usually the way that it goes is i think i would probably release a video with the album and Mm. then use the other videos to sort of keep the wave going over the next over the course of like the next couple weeks and et cetera. And if I can, um, you know, get a schedule for that, but like, I would want the album and once the album is released, I can, um, I can start, you know, collecting whatever streaming royalties and stuff on it. Right. Um, That's smart. So, yeah. I'll All right. Out my, we got to wrap this up. Um, before you go out the door, please tell everybody where we can find you online. And do you have any dates coming up that aren't local? Are you doing any traveling this summer? Um, hopefully I'll be doing some traveling. The stuff that I want to do isn't isn't booked yet, but I am, so I'm not going to do any spoiler on that, but I am keeping sort of quiet at the moment until I'm ready to okay. start wrapping up the campaign. Um, just in terms of my online presence, but you can follow and see and, and definitely keep a watch out because there will be, um, announcements coming in the next few months and it is bsquidmusic.com. Um, and then you can follow me on the social medias at bsquidvicious. It's, uh, the letter B, not the word B E, but B squid, S Q U I D vicious, V I C I O U S. People spell that wrong a lot. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's my. Uh, is that where they find you on Instagram? Because I'm not a big Instagram person, but you've got one of the funnest Instagrams of all the people I follow. Well, that's sweet of you. Um, yeah, B Squid Vicious. That is me, Squid Vicious, on the jam. Uh, you can find me with the little icon of little little red lips. And um, yep, I will be posting about upcoming shows pretty soon here and then when the videos are ready to start dropping i will have all that coming out but in the meantime just um just fun here and there 
Apparently, all right. We'll have to have you back this summer to talk about everything once all the B-Squid stuff starts being, like, disseminated out to the masses. Yes. All right. Thank you guys you so much for having me in. today. Yeah. Oh, oh thank you. It's way too. Well, we haven't had you on for like a year and a half. That is way too long to have no B squid on musical osmosis. And yet, just long enough. Just long. <laughs> perfect time. Is is this bed just right? Is this porridge just right? This porridge is too hot. There you go. <laughs> musical osmosis, the digital porridge that's too hot. thank you and we will talk to you soon thank you thank you talk to you guys later Tonight's next guest is from a band I have been absolutely obsessed with over the past couple of years. Their songs are jam-packed with musical imagery, and their lyrics connect on a primal and universal level. From the doom occult rock band Space Goat, welcome to musically, musically alluring Gina Rios. Gina, finally, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, hello, Nick and Dean, and thank you so much for having me in your, in your show. It, it's an honor. Absolutely. I mean, you can't believe how many mornings I wake up, get my morning coffee to start my day, put on some space goat, and that sets the tone for my whole day. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to know that. That's really special for me. I never imagined that, and so it's really good. I'm also actually addicted to coffee, and so I know the feeling, though. <laughs> well, there you go. Do you listen to Space Goat as well when you're drinking your morning coffee? No Space Goat, but um, I love coffee. With whatever I'm listening. 
right, fair enough. All right, so let's start at the beginning because we haven't had you on the show before. I know you started Space Goat with your brother in 2008. Kind of tell us about the beginnings of Space Goat and a little bit about your trajectory over the years because you've released one EP and one full-length album, Superstition. Yes, well, um, long story short, um, my brother and me, we start just, um, actually it was never a plan because my brother was always playing at home, just guitar, me too. And once he just uh, uh, composed a song, very melodic, kind of 70s, psychedelic stuff. And I just went out of my room and I started singing. It was not like, hey, let's do a band or something like that. Uh, no, it just happened. We just had one song like that. Which I think it was, um, I think it was uh, without ceremony. <laughs> and after that, we just met to create another song and another. And then we just started inviting friends to, to create a project. But it was just, just um, more like something very spontaneous. And well, we just uh, actually, it was not also the first production it was not that expensive we just had our savings and we said like we're, let's let's record one song okay let's record one song yeah. it was so, fun. so you never had a grand design when you set out to do this you kind of were fluid and just kind of went where the music took you yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's how it was and um, i used to sing like and he used to play like all the time. It's like just you start living our kind of life. I don't know. And um, yeah, we never thought in playing actually together because we are only two brothers. You know, I'm older than him. <laughs> He's a guy. I'm a woman, and it's like he's like uh, yeah, we could play, but no, it's not like he's he's through desire to play with his sister. But and it happened, and I think it worked in a way. We recorded Silver Swamp song, and I couldn't believe that just for one song we were in the Merahammer UK because somebody contacted us uh, to have us, and we were like, what? Okay then. <laughs> so let me ask you this: being in a band with your brother, does it kind of change the dynamic of your relationship? Are you guys closer, or do you guys argue more because you're creatively budding heads? <laughs> Well, best question. <laughs> well, mm, we actually connect a lot when playing because if say so, if you say something, I get it. Like, okay, what's something a little bit more callous, you know, not that dynamic, more slow, more, and I get it. And he doesn't have to explain to me much as with the other members of the band. But our relationship as brothers is always the same. I mean, we are we don't argue that much, but we do. Being honest, we do. <laughs> and um, I think it's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Being very honest, yeah, we argue sometimes. So as a fan <laughs> of Space Go, let me ask you this, because your album came out digitally. I've seen it on YouTube since 2016 is when it was posted, but now you're releasing a vinyl. Why is there such yeah. a time gap between when you're actually releasing the album on vinyl and when it was released when I first found it on YouTube? Okay. Well, um, as you know, when we record the album, we had to, we stopped the recording of 
because my my dad passed away. He went ill oh. to hospital, and yeah, I mean we were four members in the family, and suddenly our father is is terribly sick, and so he passed away, and we had to stop a little bit. And then after that, I went to the studio. Actually, let's say two weeks after or something like that. I had to go to the recording studio because we had the responsibility to complete the album because we had we had a plan, and so um, part of the album was recorded just after that happened, and we decided after that to just take a break and just go into more into our personal life and just relax a little bit, and in 2018. Uh, the band Samsara Blues Experiment played in our, our town and we were invited to, op- to open the show. Um, and it was amazing, it was a great experience. And after that, we didn't have any plan to, to release a vinyl because, to be honest, it's a bit expensive for us to do that in, in our country. And um, I got a, a message from Chris, Christian Peters from some service experiment, which I sent him a, a hello, <laughs> a greeting to him, because uh, he made that possible. He told us that he, he was very interested in releasing the vinyl. And so actually, he did that possible. He is the one that released it in Germany under his label. Nice. Well, I mean, you've been kind of rocking on the same album for four years. Do you find that you want to release something new? Are you back into the writing process? Are you getting are you getting out of Mexico? Do you play the states at all or a lot? Or kind of tell us about that. Actually, it's something like a lot of people is writing to us. It's amazing. I want to um, I want to thank all of them if you're listening. You know what? Thank you to all of our followers because you are amazing. You give us a lot of energy and sometimes share us your your histories from when you are listening to our music and that's really um, important for me and for us. So thank you very much. Um, a lot of people has been asking me if we are gonna be playing in their country or in the states or the why we have never play outside Mexico and um, we have never uh, had the, um, the let's say the invitations of so many places in one city or sorry in one country and so that's why we didn't dedicate that time to go and see okay let's do una gira as you say a tour right um, yeah but we love to I mean uh, also, yes, uh, we have a few new new tunes, but we have not recorded yet. And my brother Miguel, the guitar guitarist, he's getting mm-hmm. married in a few days. So oh, he's, nice! Yeah, and he is like, uh, and I'm like, everybody is like a little bit um, disconnected from the band at the moment. In that, are you playing at the wedding? Together. Are you guys gonna play at the wedding? Not me, but he is with guys and friends and very close friends of us and members of the band as well and i think his girlfriend is singing or something like that i think it's kind of a surprise but i think i just 
ruin it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so far, somebody, a little bit told me that. It's going to be like that. But um, yeah, it would be great to, to meet the people that listen to our music in other, in other places. That's, that's the most important. And um, I don't know, it's very special for me. Plus, the most important for me when I'm singing is to make people feel what I am talking about. If they have any connection with the lyrics or the music, when they are alone, when they're at home, when they are at the bus, with their headphones, when they can intimate more with the music, that's the most important thing for me. And that's well, my result to go. Because I definitely connect mm-hmm. with the music and the music really resonates with me. Thank you. I'm very happy to hear that. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I play it, like I said, every morning with my coffee, and it sets the whole tone for my day. And your your lyric <laughs> and your voice is so mesmerizing. It just oh. really feels like it's the kind of music that goes through you, that you're not as much listening to it as it's just kind of engulfing you, as it's enveloping you. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what? Mostly of my word, of my lyrics in there uh, speak about the connection that all you have inside of you is what you can see outside or something like that. And so whether anyone, anyone says like, oh, I connect with your music, to me it's, it's very, um, it ends my soul because it's like, okay, it's, it's great that feeling to, to be part of an expansion of feeling, right? So that's, that's really, really important for me. And I try to do that in every song and in every note and everything I do. And it's incredible to me, too, that you've never played in the States because you get a lot of interest over here. Back in 2015, you were included on this great um, album called Doomed and Stone, a compilation album, and it had doom metal bands and doom rock bands going all the way back to 1971 and one of your tracks was on that album and i just thought that that was incredible just the recognition you get over here people are hungry for space goat oh really wow Uh, did you not know about that doomed and stoned album you're on that compilation yeah um yes but um since then i don't know much Wow. Yeah, <laughs> what's going Check on? Out, you know, YouTube and all the things you've got fans over here, so I know people would love to have Space Goat in the states. Oh, we would love to go over there. I think it's gonna it's gonna be a reality. Well, we so. certainly <laughs> hope so. All right, well, we got to get you out of here. Um, before you go, please tell everybody where we can find you online. And do you have a new release plan for 2020? Are you looking further out to 2021 because you're still in the writing process? Yes, exactly. Mm, I think more more uh, into the future, 2021, could be something. Yes. And um, about uh, the vinyl, you can um, you can find it on the some SBS S some service experiments website and the Electric Magic Records. Which right. is the label. And you've got a uh, Facebook as well we can find Space Goat at, right? Sorry? We can find you on Facebook as well. Space Goat at Space Goat MX. Yes, also in Spotify. And we have the Bandcamp 
web uh, page, which has much more quality sound. But uh, yeah, the vinyl that we are releasing that is already in pre-orders, it's uh, available on the Electric Magic website. And we did the Samsaros experiment as well, and with Christian Peters. Right on. Well, Gina, I want to thank you so much for calling in. I'm so glad to finally speak with you. And more importantly, thank you for the magic you make. What you're doing is really special. Oh, my God. Thank you for listening to my music or music. Thank you to Dee for all the efforts to contact me and to you as well, Nick. I hope we speak soon with more news. And thank you again for all the all, everything you do is magic. Thank you for your space Absolutely. and your program. And you were amazing, guys. And I hope we keep in, talk, in contact for all the news. Okay? Absolutely. All righty. Thank you, Gina. <laughs> thank you. Hooks and kisses for you. <laughs> no Trump, no KK, no fast USA. No Trump, no KK, no fast USA. No Trump, no KK. guest of the evening is a true punk pioneer, a potent voice against injustice, inequality, and fascism, spanning over five decades, writer, activist, and punk icon from the band Millions of Dead Cops, also known as MDC, our pal Dave Dichter is with us. Dave, what's up? Hi, how are you doing? How's your show doing? We are, you know, doing, doing great, man. In these trying times. Um, happy great. Ides of March to you. I, you guys sound great. Your introduction and, and all my communications with you are sounding very positive and high. And and, and, uh, and greetings to you. I'm, I'm I'm here in Austin, Texas, and and uh, look forward to talking to you. Right on, man. Yeah, it's been way too long. And one of the things I was thinking about when I was thinking about you the other day, because like I said, you are such a potent voice against everything. Probably one of the true mainstays stays against fascism over the years. Here we are in 2020, right? And it yes. seems like the world's fucking what I call outside down. And you're still singing and fighting against much of the same bullshit you were. 40 some years ago. I mean, a lot of this stuff you're talking yeah. about has been relevant for 40, it, it, almost longer it, than I've been alive. Sadly, it, it is relevant. And, you know, the, the fight goes on. You know, the, the, the forces, there's real big money behind think tanks that promote inequality, that promote economic growth as opposed to democracy, 
uh, as a, uh, you know, what the people want and need environmentally as well as economically. It's, it's, uh, it's a never ending battle. You know, they, they created these Liberty Foundation and all these different think tanks for the right wing. They just all the talking points for the Fox News networks. And Amen. It's, uh, it's diabolical. You know, it, it just it never goes away. They're always on the rise. I, I found a, a person, close personal friend of Sophie Ramirez, who's from the band like this. She did a film on Portugal fighting off oil companies coming and and you know taking the beaches and drilling out just off coast. And they won this big thing. And then it's just as they're all celebrating, they get the, the notice that the that the oil companies from Italy, as it, as it would be, are repetitioning for next year's ballot. You know, so it's like you never win. You have to, you have an ongoing struggle. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And, and I've kind of, you know, accepted the fact that it, it is an ongoing struggle. And my kid and my grandkid and your grandkids could be facing the same type of issues down the line that uh, we've been facing over the last 40 years, that this country's been facing over the last 80 years, you know, since uh, FDR and, and, and all those things, all those forces that want to turn back Social Security, want to turn back any kind of uh, social help that the government's ready to give. It's pretty confounding. And uh, think about all, everything that's going on around the world. It's sad. And, you know, you think about the orangutans, where, you know, you know, they're destroying the rainforest. Not anything with rainforest on fire in Brazil. The leaders of these countries, these Trump clone-like leaders, that are really pushing their right-wing agenda, and uh, indigenous leaders for sure. In Central America being, you know, murdered by these logging companies. But, but behind the logging companies is much bigger, scarier entities, and we're just lone people here, just trying to. Oh, just trying for a little peace and justice and environmental safety. Boy, uh, it's a big struggle. Is that what keeps you going, Dave? Keeps you moving? Keeps you motivated? You know, you know, every, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I find myself sometimes going, what am I doing? You know, after, after the last four right. years of all my touring and all my this and that, we're still in the exact same place. You know, I said, I might as well take in a big nap <laughs> and, it's like you know, Sophocles I'm, I'm, right I'm pushing that fucking think, boulder up the hill but, but I, I think I, it wasn't for people like you and us and all the people the Cesar Chavez's and the, all the people that are active that have been fighting the fight for economic justice and for environmental if it wasn't for us people out there imagine where the planet would be it would be one big banana republic and you know and there would not be peace and justice in all this. It would be and Earth it, Incorporated. It, It'd be one big fucking corporation. Mm-hmm. One big multi-death corporation. Yeah. And, uh, sure. It's, a, it's, it's you know, uh, so I'm proud for you and for me and for all the people, you know, standing up and giving their opinion and registering people to vote, doing everything they can to make people aware <laughs> that this planet is, is there. It's got a certain amount of resources. And the, the systems that be, the, the Trump, you know, and he's just the mask of it. All that thing that's that it. exists behind, you know, that we don't see. Those super rich, those billionaires, they're creating these think tanks that don't care about regular small people dying of asthma or dying of whatever. They're, you know, they don't care about their health and safety. And 
Not us that don't care. I think many of them hold us in contempt. Yes, they totally hold us in contempt. We're in the way Mm -hmm. of their, of their, you know, uh, domination and complete control. And, uh, you know, look where the middle class is going, look where everything's going. It's, uh, it's diabolical. And, 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 you know, and all the energy that we have, you know, you still wonder if it's going to be enough. And all we can do is try to struggle and give our best effort. And then we know we didn't just sit by while it all happened. We gave everything we had. And that's what folks like you and us are doing. So let me ask you this. All we have. You've got about 10 or 12 years on me age-wise. You've been in this game. I was fucking off and just, you know, partying and not even paying attention to anything well into my mid-20s. Are you exhausted? Because I'm exhausted, and I probably haven't done a fucking tenth of what you've done. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I am exhausted, you know. But I I just had a very close uh, love of mine die, and, uh, you know, I I I re- Redig inside myself to fight for her, what she would have wanted, what all these people out there really know, you know, that they're not getting a fair shake. And so we've got, we've got to represent. So sometimes, you know, I feel like, oh, I'm exhausted. One more of this, one more of that. You know, why don't we just, you know, escape to, you know, some island and, and just, just hang out. And maybe I will do that after this election. For just a little bit, but you know we got to put our best foot forward, and we got to, you know, we got to put in the, the struggle because this is struggle, and and uh, they got their forces lined up, they're doing their things, they're proud boys, there's this, that, and the other thing out there, and and we have to represent, we have to show up, and we have to do it and represent, and you know do our part, whatever it is, whether it's a demonstration, whether it's the union, whether it's just regular election, registering people to vote. Make it happen. And but it's us, insane, though, know, right? Know. When you look at a Bernie rally and some fucking alt-right asshole is unfurling a fucking swastika flag. Uh, swastika, Bernie, yeah, like, yeah. How did we ever think this was going to be something that would be tolerated again? Well, yeah, you know, you, you could, you know, what was going on with, you know, Reagan was, you know, states' rights. What was states' rights? States' rights was the right for segregation. <laughs> for the leaders yep. of a state states' rights to, led to slavery in the Civil War times, and to worship these leaders that you know that were pro-slavery, pro-owning other yep. people, and doing what you want with these people, whip them, beat them, you know, uh, put them out to stud to create more slaves that they could sell. That's the world which we came. You know, we. You know, we kind of, kind of got locked in this, you know, we were all born after FDR, all born after World War II. And we think of this, you know, true justice in the American way, but really the story of humankind has been not true justice and, and uh, fair play. It's been though, uh, people fight for power and they don't share power. They take power, they steal power. The barrel of a gun is not the sunset or, you know, is as the fascists in Germany or the fascists everywhere are doing. And those fascists have awoken. And Trump has really, you know, the dog whistle has turned into a real whistle. But yeah, it's turned into a fucking bag. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, what, what the Tea Party was about, and, you know, what they were saying about Obama. It, 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 it's been there the whole time. 
You know, yep. like, let uh, me ask you this so though. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not so shocked. I just it just comes to the surface more. It's not behind. You know, it's not behind. Uh, it, it, it's not. It, you know, it's not it's hiding behind the shadows. It's right there. It's right there at the Bernie rally. It's right there. Town halls. People. You know, standing up, racist, and, and just and just uh, spewing their 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 hateful rhetoric. Yeah, tiki and, torches uh, and blood and soil and all that fucking bullshit, dude. And this is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Every generation or every time period, people think this is it. This is the end. You know, before it was like communism in the 50s. Like it's always the end of the world. As somebody who's lived through the civil rights movement and has been politically aware from a very young age. Are these the most dangerous times we've lived in in your lifetime, or was the civil rights movement or the Reagan years more intense than this? I, I, I think I think right now is is the precipice. I mean, it's always been dangerous. If you're receiving heat, if you were one of the farm worker organizers under Cesar Chavez that were murdered and thrown into a, a river in Texas when I was going to University of Texas and I was starting my band, what am I going to sing about? Am I going to sing about? You know, Velveeta, the cheesy girl that got away, or I'm going to sing about, you know, injustice about people being murdered because they're standing up for people to make more than 50 cents an hour. And those were the, you know, those that was life and death. So it was serious times then and serious times now. It was serious times during World War II. And, you know, it'll be serious times tomorrow. You know, there's, there's no... There's no break from it, and that's that's the part that I didn't realize until lately. That this is going to be an ongoing struggle, and our kids and our grandkids are going to be facing the same things that we're facing here. Though you know, with things like the coronavirus and global warming, I can't even imagine the apocalyptic, you know, post-modern, you know, reality that we're that we're living in. What it's going to be? Are we going to be like Star Trek in space? Is it going to be like Rollerball, where we're all cheering at the event? Is it going to be like Soiling Cream, where we show up? Thunderdome, baby, Thunderdome. And feed you from the ashes, and and we're only as good as our labor. And please you know, leave your message for Odell Norman. Hello. Yeah, sorry, we lost Odell. All right, hey. All right, that's okay. So let me ask you, you this, because you mentioned. You mentioned Texas, and this is something I'm interested in, because I was listening to Deep in the Heart of Texas by MDC earlier, and it made me think, the tone in Texas is so different. Texas is purple, if not getting ready to turn blue. Does the whole vibe feel different in Texas, and do you feel more welcomed in Texas now that it is kind of orphaned blue? I I think Texas is a more hopeful place in the last year or two. Uh, and that that came about with uh, with the, the mayor from uh, El Paso uh, running against uh, Cruz and you know for Senate and you know how close it was an election it was and I think that's more going on and it's it's list you know I'm 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 hopeful for Texas in in a way that you know that uh, more than I was five ten years ago more than I was thirty years ago when I moved out of Texas. And I moved out to California, lived in San Francisco there in the 15 years of big punk rock expansion there. And then I moved up to Portland. Mm-hmm. And now I'm back down to Texas. And uh, part of the reason I'm down here is because it's, it's right on the line. And I wanted to be in a state where you can communicate with a lot of people and change a lot of opinions. Uh, 
I mean, you know, Oregon, where I've been living, California is a pretty blue state. And uh, Texas is right on the line. There's a lot of people that just don't know better. They have not been fed the right information. They're living in that bubble of, you know, rah, rah, system, bah, and they don't really, they, <laughs> Perfect. They, they really don't see, the, you know, the world. And a lot of people communicate with it. They, they, they start to get it. They start to get this. It's not such a clear picture. And, you know, right now, Trump is, you know, trying to make nothing out of the coronavirus. And, you know, and just well, he did say we need the wall more than ever to keep and, the coronavirus you know, out. People can really see. Pretty yeah. yeah. What, what a liar he is. You know, and, and certain people have drank the Kool-Aid and they're going to be for him no matter what. There's a lot of people that don't like him, you know, see that he's a dangerous kind of person to have during a, a politicalist, you know, events like coronavirus. I mean, there's politics involved, sure, but, you know, it's going to affect everybody. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. I mean, it's going to affect the poor more, but it's good. it hasn't affected, changed, uh, touch everyone. And here they just canceled the South by Southwest. They're canceling the NCAA, you know, March Madness. Uh, oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm right in the middle of booking tour, and I'm not even sure if these tours are even going to happen. If Shit. this splashes down and the hundreds of thousands of people are affected, which is yep, clearly, they're closing schools over here, up here already too. Uh, and I hope, mm. I hope that's good. And, you know, one of my favorite times, you know, I, I remember in my life is when the earthquake happened, the Primo, Primavera, uh, Loma Prieta uh, earthquake in San Francisco in 89 happened during the beginning of the World Series during the National World Anthem. Series, yeah. And, the, the vibe right after the earthquake was just kind of like, it was also very much at the end of September, right after September 11th and the bombing. Everyone was kind of like introspective and really searching for answers. And I hope there's another moment that comes about, uh, you know, if, you know, if this virus gets worse, that people really inspect where they are. Like I, I saw it in the big newspaper today, they were quoting Gandhi, uh, be the change. You have to envision yourself as being part of the change, that you're going to change the dynamic of, of what the reality of that we are living through is. And people need to introspect and see themselves and not just swap it off. So in this little bit of a way, I'm hopeful that all these things racing towards the end, you know, will make people be more conscious, more aware, more you know, dutiful in their voting duties, more just being nicer to person, people on the street, not just, you know, just think, oh, look at that, look at that trash over there, you know, panhandling, but really to go beyond that and, and just see a human being that's in, in trouble, whatever their trouble is, and, you, and just, just look from the heart and look from themselves. Could that be me? Could that be my kid? Could that be my grandmother? Right. Exactly. You yep. Know, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm hoping that's one of the things that's on our side. And, uh, and actually, reading the news today with the coronavirus, with Trump, people are very critical of him on all sides of the uh, spectrum because he's so he so wants to get elected, and he's just trying to hide the truth. And he's trying to lie, and he can lie about you know a certain amount of things. But people are scared of the coronavirus, and he's telling them not to be scared of it. It's just yeah, but his supporters yeah. are saying it's fake. Yeah, they, they believe anything he fucking says. It was a democratic tool to, you know, 
destabilize his election campaign. So let me ask you what I asked Odell earlier, because a lot of people say this coronavirus is the last straw, and this will start turning his base against him if this coronavirus gets out of hand and tanks the economy and people start dying. Do you believe there's anything that can turn these Trump people off of Trump? Or are are they just so invested they're in for life no matter what? Yeah, there's a lot of people invested. He seems like he's got that 40% of people that just, you know, I'm with stupid, you know, and they don't mind it. They don't mind the lies. They don't mind the sexism. They don't mind groping, uh, you know, children. They don't mind all that stuff. I, I think it is seeds of a very unhappy bunch of people that, because it's like a yes. coronavirus, it's almost economicless, you know, and, and all of a sudden people can't go to the you know, World Series games, they're talking about not starting the NBA season. They're talking about, you know, or having the games be televised, but no one's being able to go to the game. People are going to be affected. And I just hope it's it's one of the things that make people wake up. You know, uh, Absolutely. Wake up to everything. Where did coronavirus come from? It's an animal-born disease. It's from germs. It's from animals getting antibiotics. And then not being able to contain the, the viruses that come out from this, you know, from these animal populations that are so shot full of antibiotics that nothing works to quell their diseases. Uh, that's how plagues started, you know. Uh, you know, it was, you know, I, I, I just hope, you know. Uh, you can never, you know, sometimes it, it just doesn't work out that way. And, you know, it's still, still a little disappointing to see Michigan go against Bernie. It is what it is. And we gotta, you know, we just gotta try to inform the people we love, the general population, and and that's the best we can do. All right, well, look, I got to get you out of here in a minute, but I want to shift gears real quick and ask you about the tone and the intensity. Since Trump was elected, do you feel like the do you feel like over the last three, three and a half, four years, are your shows getting more intense? Are people more revved up? Are you getting as much hate mail today as when Mind Trump well, came out know, years ago? Up a couple of notches, you know, with the No Trump, No Kick K, which came from our song, No War, No Kick K, the, the Born to Die song, when we stood up against the Klan in Austin, Texas, back in 1980 and 81. Uh, mm-hmm. That has been recycled, and all of a sudden, all these apolitical bands who I kind of know through just touring through the networks, fans that, you know, go, oh, there goes Dave, he's a crusader. He, he, he. All of a sudden, like, saying, what can I do? Or, can you want, you want me, my band to play, a, you know, a rally for you? And a lot of people that were almost seen as not so political all of a sudden are coming about. So I've been, I've been getting a lot of energy in that thing. And then another thing just happened with people, the fans that heard all this, so many people came, uh, come up to me and said, you were fucking right. You were, you know, you were really right. You know, we all should be scared. And there really is a plot. And, you know, the the multi-death corporation is real. It's killing millions of dead children. It's millions of corrupted politicians. And, you know, and so there's a certain amount of kudos going on. And, you know, on on the other hand, sometimes people are worn out by the whole thing. They really are just worn out. Um, They, you know, they just... uh, you know, they just, they're just like, wow, does it ever end? It's like how we started the show. And just me saying, you know, it's, it, I wonder if it's ever going to end. We're always going to be fighting for not getting minimum wage. You're always going to be fighting for, you know, health conditions in our workplaces. And, you know, he just, you know, Trump just eliminated the environmental 
protection agency, you know, they can dump into the rivers now, whatever they want. But isn't it Trump thing yeah. a new component where people are kind of like, whatever it takes to own the libs, I don't care how bad it hurts me, I want to well, own right. the libs. There are just people that, you know, they don't care if they live, you know, it have to live in hazmat suits. They think as long as they, you know, they have an economic job, you know, they, they don't care what the cause and effect of it all is. Right. And there are those, those people who have really drank the Kool-Aid, as I call it, you know, and just are the, you know, they just are going to side with Trump and they're going to side with, you know, authority and power. And but you didn't see that level of indoctrination with Bush or any other or even Reagan. I mean, the thing that they with Trump, he could literally say anything and anything he tweets in the day in the morning becomes a reality for the day. Yeah, it's amazing. And he goes on and, you know, it doesn't matter if he said 300,000 lies in his first <laughs> in his first four or three and a half years of office. People just, you know, are just bellicose and they and they support him. I'm in here, you know, I'm in a lot of parts of the country and I play around a lot in a lot of, you know, areas. And uh, it's, it's certainly, it's scary. We, we played Roanoke, Virginia. Roanoke, Virginia is home to like seven different branches of the Ku Klux Klan. Literally, groups that don't like each other because their view of racism is just, one's a little darker than the other. You know, like, it was hard to believe, and they threatened the, the promoter of the show and threatened to, uh, to bomb or affect Fuck. the show and kill the owner of the building. And the people stood together, and they came. And I had kids come to the show and say, you know, that, that shirt is very cool. I have clan, I have cop with a gun pointed at you. I could never wear that around here. I'd get my ass. I have that and, shirt, Dave. And, and, <laughs> well, good. Be careful wearing it. And, but, you know, it was so important to go there. There are those parts of the country but, you know, we went there and we spoke truth to power and, you know, uh, we have to take those chances or, you know, we're, we're going to give away the Roanoke Virginias. They're going to, it's going to be clan country. And, oh man, it's a crazy world. And we're just trying to do our best and empower you empower us. For sure. Outside down. We got to get out here. Um, tell me what you got going on in 2020. I know you got an acoustic uh, well, we, album. We got a big show with GBH supposed to happen. I don't know if coronavirus is going to affect that, but we're playing uh, 35 days on them, 28 gigs, playing theaters, Gramercy wow. Theater in Manhattan, playing the Brighton Music Auditorium in uh, Boston and uh, Austin, Mass. Playing these five, seven, eight hundred people venues. It's very exciting, and I look forward to that. And uh, we have the other thing, we're registering people to vote and trying to sponsor different people. I'm do some outreach into Southern Texas and try to get everyone registered. All, you know, all these different things. We have an in in, in the Latino, Chicano community youth. You know, so kids that are 16, 18, 20, 22 like my band. So I'm going to try to to work those city halls, those uh those community centers where we encourage people to vote, become active, and, and just stand with them and be with them and just uh, thank them for the fact that they're buying their records. Go further and buy the records, register grandma, register Uncle Billy, and get out there and vote.
Well, let me ask your prediction, because it looks like Biden, you know, everybody drops out of the race right before Super Tuesday and endorses, even Yang endorsed Biden. Um, Do you think Biden, just this milquetoast, standard bearer, center, like right of center, status quo, old dude, is he going to be Trump? Because I don't think the youth is going to come out and vote for Biden like they would have for Bernie. Yeah, uh, you know, um, you know, Hillary won this last election, you know, and you could say the same thing about her, you know, the same woman who kissed George Bush as he, as he attacked Iraq. And, you know, a lot of the, the standard, you know, uh, you know, business as usual type corporate financing of elections, all that thing. She won the election by three million people. Now, you know, it's, it's up for us to not only win the election, but win the electoral college. I'm going to do my thing. I am enough, you know, uh, um, I, I have radical wishes, but, uh, you know, we will survive a lot better with centrists than we will with, you know, just think of the Supreme Court justices who are going to get nominated with former years of Trump. Mm-hmm. Think, think of all that. Uh, you know, if we start, you know, if we start, you know, I, I, I have a lot of friends on Facebook, and they're like, oh, I can't believe the Democrats are traitors. They're just as bad, blah, blah, blah. No, they're not. They're not just as bad. Yeah, I think and the thing that pisses me off true. the worst and is Mitch a McConnell fucking, those sides are the same bullshit. That's much, not- much worse. They're, they're much worse. So I'm, I'm, I'm sticking in. I'm sticking. I'm, I want to stick with uh, Mr. Joe Biden. You know, I mean, I'm out there going I haven't had my Biden feature, but I'm not going to downplay the Democrats because we need to do something to stop, you know, to stop the Democrats. I'm, 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 you know, uh, I was hoping that, you know, uh, Bernie might do a unity ticket, be the vice president. Let him, you know, be, you know, czar of, you know, student loans or czar of workers' rights and minim- getting the minimum wage up. Something. Uh, and I heard he's not interested in that. And, I understand, you know, uh, people got to do what they really want to do, but I, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to start throwing out the, oh, Dave says, you know, don't, don't even bother to vote because they're just as bad. I'm not doing that. I'm going to tell people register. But there are a lot of Bernie or Bust people you know there who are not going to go to, there's a lot of Bernie or Bust people out there who will not go to the polls if it's not Bernie. I understand that. And all I can do is engage them and tell them, you know what? What's going to happen to this country under four more years of Trump? Yeah, what more exactly. Is going to you know what, what happens if we don't know, don't get on don't get online and complain. You know, and like all the down ticket things lose. You know, like we, we got to build this this people's coalition, and you know the country that elected Obama needs to you know elect the Senate and a, and a Congress that you know that uh, will represent us. This is all we got. Unless we're going to go out into the street with rocks against tents. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, this is what we got. For sure. I, know, so I'm, I'm, I'm not telling people go home, you know, and put your head under, in the sand or plan to move to Costa Rica. I'm going to tell people, you know, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not telling you you got to love Joe Biden or whatever the hell is going to happen. But it's just got We got to, we got to keep the fascists out of office. You know, could not agree more. Yeah, this is well, do or die. I could not agree opinion. more. This is you know, a do I'm or die situation. Show is, you know, I'm not sure what your opinion is. I'm just giving you my opinion. And, and uh, 
Oh, no, I'm voting against Trump, no matter who. It says he's still going to support Biden. He's still going to support the Democrats. And 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 then they'll take away from that what they feel inspired to do themselves. All right, well, I think that's a good place to end. Dave, once again, let me thank you for calling in. But more importantly, thank you for keeping up the fight. There's a lot of people, especially who've been in the game this long, who would just like, all right, man, it's my golden years. It's time for me to fucking retire. You're still out there slugging away and doing your thing, and I have the world of respect for you. Well, thank you. And I got the world of respect for you doing it, too, because, you know, we're we're all have to to, – to show up and do it and 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 it, sure we'd rather be working on our you know i'd rather be painting a picture i'd rather be doing a lot of things than uh you know go around the country singing no trump no people k you know uh in 2020 but you know what we got to do what we got to do because if we don't do it think about the world that's going to happen yeah, amen to that. Yeah, right. that's it. Um, everybody, where we can find you online, and do you have some new music coming out in 2020? Yeah, you know, we're uh, just I've been working on a really great producer on an NDC acoustic album called Mike and Dave Country. It's my bass player and I. Uh, we've got this great producer, just kind of like a Quentin Tarantino western uh, kind of. You know, uh, I'm a well-traveled man. It's like one of the the songs on it and uh, it's got a cowboy thing a real cow punk thing and i really really got into it this last uh, month in the studio and uh, it's probably going to come out late spring and you know uh that's the good news i'm still able to make my music and they haven't taken that away from us and uh whatever your bliss is follow it everybody uh don't 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 follow so much that you don't vote but you know like you know, uh-huh. you gotta have fun in this life. Right on. And where can we find you online? <laughs> and we're we're at uh, Facebook, MDC, uh, Millions of Dead Cops uh, on Facebook. I'm Dave Dichter. Uh, I've got that on Facebook as well. Um, you know. Um, you got a website, right? MDC website. We do. We do. What's the name of our website? I think it's so, just mdc.com, right? Name of our website. MDC Punk Official. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, if, you, if you Google that, you Google MDC, you'll, you'll get to me eventually. Right on. All right, Dave, I want to thank you so much. And Thanks, we will Dave. talk soon. All right, thank you guys so much. Love and interest, wall power to you. We'll stay in touch. Right back at you. Thanks, man. All right, All right we are out of here. Um, Odell, Alrighty. we're back in the group. Yeah. Back in two weeks. Yeah. We got some cool stuff planned. Sounds good, man. All righty, kids, you guys have a great um, Ides of March, and we will be back two weeks from Saturday. My name is Mike, and I'm an alcoholic. Cigarettes and free coffee I did the 12 steps Then I relapsed Now my sponsors all hate me I get the pictures I know my triggers And my triggers they all know me Cause my name is Mike And I'm an alcoholic Cigarettes and free coffee Doing an A Doing okay It's a beautiful day
He told me how How do you like jail? Cause if you fail That's where you're gonna go So here I sit Waiting on my meeting hour My higher power But that I'm not sure So first today Here in NA I hope you folks here Got the cure